Rhino, I am so stoked we got our first Cubs player. How excited are you? I'm pretty pumped, Chad. I mean, it's not every day that we're able to uh, bring on somebody who's actually in the clubhouse. And uh, I don't know if he lost a bet or not, but regardless, <laughs> we were able to talk him into joining us, and he could not be more cool. Uh, George Contos is going to join us on the program today, and it is awesome to hear what he has to say about the upcoming season. And I'm going to say the first of many. Hey, let's get the show started. <laughs> Hope springs eternal, everybody. Welcome to the Pitchers and Catchers edition of the Friendly Confines alongside Chad Gordon. I am Ryan Lieber. It's beautiful in Arizona, Chad, because pitchers and catchers are hitting the field as we speak. How are we doing today? I love it. it. This is the best time of year. We'll get to that in just a second. And you know it must be almost baseball season because the Milwaukee Brewers have put out their first promotion for pre-sale tickets where only Wisconsin residents are able to buy tickets because once again, they don't want it to become Wrigley North, which it will become. We dominate that field. I love it. I love the inferiority complex of, of actually a now a solid rival in our division. What are you most excited about, about pitchers and catchers? What does that mean to you? Well, I just think it means we can take that bad taste out of our mouths that we had all through the off season when the Cubs lost to Colorado in the wild card game. And we start fresh now. I know there was a lot of issues that, you know, off-season things that just didn't transpire or there was a lot of controversy with this team in the off-season. I think now we can just focus on what's going on on the field and take this ball club and put it out there for them to be the team that we know they're capable of being. And it starts with the day pitchers and catchers come. So I'm just looking forward to a fresh season and a time where we can just regale in the fact that we have 2019 upon us and getting ready for a new year and wipe the slate clean. That, that for me, I would say, is the number one thing I'm looking forward to. I love that. And, you know, we're right here in the first inning, which is really about pitchers and catchers. And, and you, you kind of touched on it. You know, we're not in this episode. We're not going to talk about Addison Russell. We're not going to talk about Joe Ricketts. We're not going to talk about all the, the sadness and desperation around, you know, not getting Chris Bryant's best friend on the lineup and, and, and changing things up in the outfield and right field. We're not going to talk about uh, uh, the state of free agency in, in, uh, in the, the, the semblance of the Cubs did not blow out their, their, uh, their payroll. What we are going to talk about is hope. We're going to talk about optimism. We're going to, you know, prior to this run, this amazing team and, and uh, window that we're in right now, this was always that moment where we could wipe away the, the stink of what's, you know, has typically has been as, as a Cubs fan, you know, pretty rough year in the year ahead. And we always thought, well, this could potentially be the year. Well, the beautiful thing about it is this potentially could be the year. This is a very strong 95-win team. And what I'm most excited about is they, 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 they got their nose bloodied there at the end of the last year. They ran out of gas, and, and these are competitors. These are guys that have won a World Series. These are guys that have made a couple, uh, three NLCSs. Um, this is a team that um, has a chip on their shoulder and has something to prove. So for me, that is what is most exciting about pitchers and catchers. Let's move on to the second inning. And Ryan, I'm pretty excited about this because I saw a video in the last few days where you, Darvish, was looking right into the camera and he was talking about how he has something to prove this year, where he was talking about how he feels great. I mean, he's already throwing bullpen sessions. 
what do you think about the potential of a Yu Darvish return and, and making more than eight starts and actually having an impact that because this would be like the biggest free agent signing for the Cubs if he actually comes in and crushes it. I absolutely love this. And what I loved more about it more than anything else, Chad, was that there were two things that stood out to me. One, he talks about how much it hurt him that he was not living up to the contract that he had signed for this last season and beyond. He knows that he let the fans down. He wanted so badly to show everybody that he was worth the $126 million that the Cubs shelled out for him last year. And it really personally bothered him that he could not come through, and he really tried to force the issue. The other thing that I love about this is that he didn't even use a translator, which he normally used throughout his entire career. He really wants to be able to hear and have people hear him speak for himself, and I think that changes the perception of what a lot of people kind of thought about Hugh Darvish in the last year. You know, a lot of people said that he was soft, they didn't care enough, he wasn't competitive enough, and I think a lot of that can be wiped away when you're the guy that's delivering the narrative to the media and to the fans. And I think that's what you Darvish here is trying to do. Control the messaging, control the issues that people had with him last year to sit here and say, I know that I am in a position where I want to be able to, you know, show how great I can be and prove to you that last year was an anomaly. And I am ready to come back, as you said, Chad, and be the best pitcher uh, that I can be and possibly one of the most dominant pitchers in the National League. So that's what I love the most, because if he can come back, not even as the one or the two or the three or the four, if he can come back as the five, he is better than 99.9% of the fives. You know what? Heck, I'll say 100% of Absolutely. the five starters, the number five starters in baseball. And I'll take that every single time for Hugh Darvish to go against the number five starter on every team. So that's what I'm most excited about when I see Hugh Darvish getting back into game shape as he gets ready for 2019. What about you? You know, I, for me, and we're going to talk about uh, who we think the Cubs ace is in, in, uh, you know, in an upcoming inning in the, in the, in the, uh, the fourth. But for me, when I think about you, Darvish, you, you, you nailed it. There was this opportunity, I think, for the first time, um, and I, I, you know, I mean, you, you pose a great question. You pose a great point about talking about how he, he was looking at the camera and didn't, wasn't using an interpreter. Maybe that had something to do with it. But I was just, because I was hearing his own words and because I, I saw the, the fire in him, I feel a connection now, um, which is important to me. You know, uh, you want to feel like your guys are your guys. And, and, and we don't always have that with some of these, these superstars, but I'm excited about it. And I, I mentioned to you to this to you previously, but I'm actually going to go out on a limb, and, and I we need to create like a new segment. So I want you to write this down, one of those kind of ridiculously um, silly predictions, and you can make make them throughout the year. I'm going to make them throughout the year. Obviously, as the optimist of the duo here, I'll probably make a couple more that are pretty wow. ridiculous. But my my prediction is, you Darvish is going to be um, is going to be the most reliable starter. Um, in the Cubs rotation, and you will see that you Darvish is going to see some um, a heck of a bounce back inning, um, a bounce back uh, season rather. Um, will we'll, uh, probably win, uh, in my my uh, estimation, the comeback player of the year, and then also uh, um, get Cy Young votes. I really feel that strongly about it. This is the guy that the Cubs went after. Um, he has all the tools. He just didn't physically have the ability to be the guy last year. So him with the chip on his shoulder and a full year of rest and seasoning and, and clean out surgery 
I'm excited about it. What do you think? You, th you think I'm completely off the wall on that one? I do think you're completely off the wall, but again, <laughs> you are the optimist of the two of us. You always have been, and that's what I love about you. You always try to, you know, look at the bright side of things. And, and look, I hope you're right. I mean, I want you to be right. I, I really want this to work out because a healthy Hugh Darvish means this team is that much better. Yeah. But is it going to happen? That remains to be seen. I don't know. We don't know how far away he is from making his first start. Could be after the All-Star break, for all we know. So I think right now it's kind of just in a wait-and-see mode. So let's move on to the third inning now, and let's talk about the bullpen. And I do want to mention, Chad, we didn't even get a chance to tell our, our listeners that we have probably one of oh. the most exciting opportunities we got on this show in our early uh, time of doing it. We got George Contos, relief pitcher with the Cubs. He's a non-roster invitee, but he is in spring training with the team, won a World Series title with the San Francisco Giants back in 2012. He is going to be our guest on the program today. We're going to ask George about the first day of pitchers and catchers reporting, the bullpen. He's a Chicago native, being back in Chicago, playing for his favorite team growing up as a kid. So we're really excited to have George on the program. And so we're going to be hearing from him. He is our seventh inning stretch conductor today uh, as we do the program with you. So with that being said, Chad, of course, the bullpen was such a huge, huge question mark for this team last year. Brandon Morrow went down. Pedro Strope went down. It was a bullpen by committee by the end of the year. You could tell that the bullpen was so gassed right now. This is the area of concern that I think most fans have probably the, the biggest trepidations with after what we saw last year. What are your uh, thoughts seeing or watching the bullpen as we are going into 2019 and what questions do you have as we enter 2019 with the bullpen as it is constructed right now? So many question marks. You, you, you know, you, you nail the, the, the top of the pyramid, which is the most important piece. Really, if you think about some of the most historically great teams and even think about the run that the Cubs made in 2016, it was very important to have that shutdown closure. Now, Morrow, the issue there is it looks like he's going to be delayed back into the season by a month. Uh, he's, he's still relatively fresh off of a surgery. Um, I love me some Pedro Strope, and so I love the idea of him getting in and his intensity and talking about you know, having that passion and energy on the mound, and he did a, an incredible job um, last year filling perfectly in until the, the uh, what I like to call the the dumbest play in the 2018 Cubs history, uh, which was uh, him trying to run out an infield single when he should have been pulled. But anyway, um, the point I'm trying to make is, well, that's a big concern, and that is a big, 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 hairy uh, concern for me uh, between who's going to be the guy. Uh, there's a lot of, almost all of the new faces, almost all of the new acquisitions, almost all the new folks like George, which again, so cool, we had our first player. Um, but there's so many people in, in camp right now that are trying to uh, be a part of really what is new about baseball. Baseball looks completely different than it did just, just a few years ago in the fact that, uh, you know, getting these guys who can take over from the fifth inning on, that is where baseball is right now. It's that specialization factor. I trust in the front office that they're going to uncover another Jesse Chavez. Um, and I also have great hopes for uh, – the, the development and, and the focus and, and the tweaking by the pitching staff that, that the guys that we have there um, remain a role. You know, the wild cards for me are in order. Um, C.J. Edwards, 
can he finally turn the corner from a confidence standpoint? Now, keep in mind, you look at his numbers. He was not rough. He, people had a lot of people have a very long memory on on, on key instances for certain players, and CJ is is unfortunately, um, you know, is is due kind of those feelings. Um, you know, if he can finally be the guy that just come in and just sling it up there like we know he can with such power and keep the ball down. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, you know, and then the other question because of the financial commitment is, is are we going to get anything out of Chatwood? Is he going to be able to, to retool his game to work himself out of a bullpen? Is he going to model himself after kind of a Mike Montgomery sort of long relief guy? So we don't just have two Mike, um, we have, so we can have two Mike Montgomery's there that can give people some long spells. Um, those are two of the biggest questions I have. You know, Kinsler is he gonna is he gonna show uh, any any sort of uh, value as well? There's so many people on this list we could talk about. Are we gonna see somebody that's gonna spring up out of uh, out of the minors and and uh, and that's where I think we're gonna see uh, some players that are really gonna shock us. I think there's 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 an opportunity here to create. Um, a stronger, deeper bullpen, and it looks like most of the front office's decision was really based upon on what can they do to get as many arms from both sides of the plate as possible. We're moving on to the fourth inning now, Chad, and as we switch from the bullpen now to the starting rotation, the big question going into the year once again, who do you think the Chicago Cubs ace is going to be? For my money, it's got to start with John Lester. Lester has been nothing short of fantastic ever since he signed his deal with the Cubs back in 2015. Led the National League in wins last year with 18. I mean, this guy just continues to show that he is one of the best big game pitchers in all of baseball. And he's still just at 35. And I say just, I mean, he's 35, but he pitches like he's only 30-29. I can't get over how this guy keeps himself in tip-top shape. He's never injured. He's always good to start at least 32 games a year. Uh, John Lester, for me, there is no one else in that rotation right now that I can say pound for pound is as consistent as, as I feel comfortable going to the mound each and every time, knowing you're going to get at least six innings of solid pitching. So for me, it's got to start with John Lester. What about you? Well, I, you know, you make – the point, which is the ace is the ace until they're not the ace anymore. And John Lester was brought into this, uh, into this clubhouse uh, uh, years back, a few years back, to, to really kind of set the stage and create the foundation to say we are serious about winning. Um, John Lester is going to be our guy and our anchor. Um, and, and so you're right. He's the ace until he's not the ace. Now, some complete idiot a couple Indians ago said that uh, – uh, he's predicting you Darvish is going to emerge as the ace. ace. Who's and that guy? I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to still say I have high, high hopes for him. What I'm going to just say collectively, um, if you're a Cubs fan, um, you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, um, you've got to feel really good about this rotation. And so here's the optimistic side. Here's the, here's the, the very positive viewpoint is, you know, who are you concerned about right now every day in a five-day rotation? Are you concerned about John Lester? Are you concerned about the professor, Kyle Hendricks? Are you concerned about Jose Quintana, which some people could be like, he's been inconsistent, but the guy eats up innings like nobody's business. Are you concerned about Cole Hamels? I mean, the Cole Hamels is, is a very big wild card because he was not pitching great and was not pitching anything like he pitched for us when he was with the um, with the, the Rangers earlier in the year. But once he came over, he was, he was the best pitcher in baseball for a, a streak. 
Um, can he maintain that or can he be above average? What are we going to get from Cole Hamels um, now that he's locked into that this, this, uh, this season with, with the, the Cubs? And then everybody, I think, is going to have a lot of questions. They're, they're going to want you, Darvish, to prove it to them. But you, I think, is the one I'm least concerned about. Um, I want to see what Cole Hamels does. I want to see what John Lester is able to do in his year 35 season. The beauty of John Lester <laughs> is that he is one of those. He has that body type and that pitching motion that is just not going to break down. He's just he's a big dude, and he and he um, and, and when pitching doesn't have the technical folks where they're really you know they have to get every bit out of their um, their elbows and joints. You know, John doesn't quite have that, and so I think durability is going to be a great factor for him. I think we're going to see. Uh, Madden limit the innings, which makes the, the reliance on the bullpen so strong um, in the early going. But um, I got to tell you, John Lester, you're right, is the ace. He deserves the opening day nod. Um, but my crazy, silly prediction of you, Darvish, being the guy that we're all going to look to um, come October of next year, that's the, that's the thing that, uh, that I'm most excited about. All right, let's move on to the fifth inning now. And, of course, we talked about the pitchers. Well, the catchers also reported – uh, as well with the pitchers, of course, hence the phrase pitchers and catchers reporting. <laughs> and, of course, the starting backstop for the Cubs this year will once again be Wilson Contreras. Now, Contreras last year had a little bit of a slumpy season. He kind of stepped back a little bit after a breakout year in 2017, just managed to hit 249, 10 homers, 54 RBIs, and he had 121 strikeouts in 474 at-bats, as opposed to 2017 when he hit 276 with 21 home runs and 74 RBIs. So, Chad, how big of a bounce-back year is this for Contreras, and do you feel like he may have been a little overworked in 2018, causing his offensive numbers to go down slightly from the year before? Well, I mean, let's think about it. And, and I, I posted something, and if you guys aren't already on this, make sure you find us on Facebook. We're the Friendly Confines um, Cubs Facebook headquarters, Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook headquarters. It's a it's a it's a group. It's a it's a thriving group in, on Facebook. And I posted something about this just the other day um, because of this being Pitchers and Catchers Week. And it, it, it was like June nineteenth of, of two thousand sixteen. That magical year, Wilson Contreras makes his major league debut. And in the very first pitch he sees as a major league baseball player, he deposits it just to the right of the batter's eye in a deep center field, home run, first pitch, and that kind of set the stage. Think about that kid, enthusiastic, exciting. He was able to come up slowly and get the reps in when he needed to get the reps in behind David Ross, who was kind of the um, just, just what a clubhouse presence and, and, and the, the calming influence we haven't really had since he left. And then also uh, Miguel Montero, who's still one of my absolute favorite players. So he has a chance to kind of ease in. And then he shared the time in, in the following year in 2017. And then this last year, it was him. And, and his numbers in 2017 were fabulous. They're absolutely fantastic. They did have a drop last year. But from an offensive standpoint, it was he's still a catcher catching the majority of the games. The question I have is, is you know, is Victor Carantini going to deserve and earn more spots? Is he just going to get the – is he going to be a personal catcher situation? Is Francisco Garcia – is he going to come in? Um, he's on a minor league contract. Uh, uh, is, uh, respectfully, is Taylor Davis going <laughs> to come to stop being a minor league uh, catcher after nearly a decade? I don't know. Um, my concerns about Wilson Contreras is can he get his pitch framing um, in order because he is not one of the better pitch framers. His arm is as good as anybody gets. His enthusiasm, he is he is a power, um, just a firecracker sword in, in the dugout, which I absolutely love. So for me, if 
Will we see a 2017 season? I think it's going to trend closer to that than what we saw last year because last year I think he was tasked for the first time to be in a full-time, um, not sharing the load, Major League Baseball catcher. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair to say. And, and personally, I think it can be somewhere in the middle is where I personally think it's going to be, somewhere between 17 and 18 as far as his numbers go. So maybe we're going to see about – 16 home runs this year and maybe he'll be batting around 260s this year to uh, kind of even it out I think defensively to your point probably the best defensive catcher uh, at least in the National League he, he's really continuing to improve he's got uh, just a missile for an arm um, it's very hard to run on him I think he handles the pitching staff pretty well um, and he's going to continue to grow in that role I think it's also going to be important for, as you mentioned, you know, a Victor Caterini who can maybe step up and be that decent backup, kind of like what David Ross was in 2016 for, you know, the Cubs in the, prior to that. So if the Cubs can have a reliable backup that's going to allow them to give Wilson Contreras, you know, a breather every now and then that they feel comfortable with, um, you know, I know Caratini was somebody that they uh, had to play for a while when Contreras was hurt mm-hmm. um, I hope that in this spot they can just kind of rely on him to maybe catch about you know 40 50 games a year here or there to spell relief for Contreras um, to allow him to just kind of take a breather in between starts so I think if that is the case we'll definitely be able to see maybe Contreras get back to the numbers that he had in 2017 because as you said as well he was hurt last year maybe wasn't a hundred percent now maybe going into 2019 he's feeling much better he certainly has you know 100 percent strength back that could affect his offensive numbers as well so i'd like to think that we're going to see maybe something more in the middle but of course obviously pie in the sky want to see him get back to those those numbers in 2017 and even beyond so that's uh, certainly best case scenario on that front all right let's move on to the sixth inning now and we will talk a little bit about Major League Baseball free agency because as, as of today, both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still remain unsigned along with several other prominent free agent players, Craig Kimbrell, Dallas Keuchel, just to name a few, Mike Moustakis. Um, but of course, the two biggest prizes in the free agent market, two of the best players in baseball, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, both remain unsigned and they are no closer to a deal there have been a couple of uh, alleged you know deals out there for both players but nothing that has materialized to the point where they feel like it's something they want uh you can call it collusion if you want chad you can call it whatever you want is major league baseball uh in a really bad bind not being able to capitalize on free agency like the nfl and the nba are able to do where you have a flurry of free agent signings that night or rather that day right when midnight strikes the best players in the game all sign their deals then whereas we are into spring training now and these players have still not found a home to me i just find this absolutely ridiculous the momentum was lost a long time ago and quite frankly i don't think people care anymore where they sign i think at this point you might as well just have them sit out the year if they're really gonna not make a move at this point I find it silly, and I'm not sure what the what the answer is, but Major League Baseball has a problem on their hand when it comes to MLB free agency. What say you on this topic? I, you know, we disagree a little bit on this one. I, For me, when I look at this issue, I look at it as 
the players and the players association, they negotiated a pretty bad contract. And the smarter guys in the room during that negotiation were the owners and their negotiators because this is a um, this is a, a a hole in the system. This is an, an exposure of the system. But keep in mind, this is a system that both sides agreed to. And so whether you're you have issues on player time manipulation, like when Bryant was not you know held out for a couple weeks that 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 you know in the 2015 year, and that gave the Cubs an extra year of control, or you have this situation where all of the teams kind of have um, there isn't a salary cap, but there is a luxury cap, and the top teams are all scraping it. I mean the Cubs are in the the, the luxury tax; they're in it. Um, but then there's a lot of teams on the front end that aren't that are not. Um, getting anywhere close to that. So I think where the issue really comes into play is that uh, analytics have have made it, and I was thinking about this last night too. Think about this. Think about the one of the effects of, of, of the steroid era. Think about the effect of the longevity that players were able to experience back then. And think about some of the contracts that came about and kind of set the table for what is the proper amount a superstar should get and the length of it that takes it. So you look like Albert Pujols and his contract, which is just the biggest mess in the history of college, I mean, in, in Major League Baseball contracts, in, in my opinion. You know, he's, he's, he's a, gonna, using a walker, you know, getting down to first base at, at age 43 when he's still making a ton of money. So you had these situations where players were getting more money in a longer contract when physically they wouldn't be able to naturally. So this is kind of going on a riff here just to basically say, there is this basis of analytics where people are like, well, why would we give somebody these long-term monster massive deals when we know that they're going to drop off? So I'd like to see a change in the way these contracts are done. I'd like to see some players take bigger risks. I'd like to see Bryce Harper surprise the world and sign a $110 million three-year contract. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see the, the links get shorter um, and, and things change, but nothing is going to change right now because the Players Association negotiated a really bad contract and they are now being held held hostage by it in, in these agreements. Now, what would be uh, an absolute mess and what you talked about, it's, it's embarrassing. What would be embarrassing if we get into this season and these players are not signed? And keep in mind, I'm going to throw this one last piece out to you. There is two sides to this equation. There's two sides to this negotiations. The agents have a role in this as well. If you don't think that the agents could, for just a little bit less money, get these guys in into the camp and, and they'd be set for life anyway, um, the agents are trying to prove a point as well. They are they are chomping at the bit for what's going to be a huge contract a, 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 um, re-up with the, the Players Association. And my biggest fear in a couple of years, we're going to look at a work stoppage that is really going to impact baseball in a very negative way. Well, you make a great point with that. And I think that's important to note about the agents, because I think Scott Boris is somebody when you think of, you know, the issues that we've had in free agency, that guy is the poster child for looking at agents who care more about the money than they do about winning or going to a winning team or going to look out for their client's best interest when it comes to just overall signing with a team. I mean, look at the last few years when it comes to these players signing mega deals, right? Robinson Cano going to the Seattle Mariners. They've done nothing with him. Uh, Albert Pujols going to the Angels. As you mentioned, the terrible contract. They basically did nothing with him. When A-Rod went to the Texas Rangers, that was a 
a, a terrible deal. It wasn't until A-Rod went to the Yankees, but they were the Yankees. They gave him that kind of money. And, and now you're seeing it with Bryce Harper, and you're seeing it with Manny Machado, where I think we're getting to a point where these teams are looking at it going, yeah, we're not going to be paying this kind of money, as you mentioned, for these long 10-year contracts that they want. I think people were really upset with Jeffrey Loria, the former owner of the Marlins, when they gave that contract to Giancarlo Stanton mm-hmm. for $325 million. I think a lot of uh, owners were upset about that. And now they're looking at it saying, look, we're not going to dole out 13-year contracts. It's not going to be um, you know, a, a, a win for us to give us give you that kind of money and those kind of years that we're going to be on the hook for if you're going to be hurt or not going to age well with that deal. So I agree with you. I think that they have to recognize, at least the players do, that as for now, it's probably going to end up with them having maybe three to five-year deals with you know a lot of money in that spot where you'd be making maybe $30 million a year, but you're not going to have the uh, guarantee of you know the long-term contracts. They're going to be shorter contracts for a lot of money, but then once that contract's up, you got to you know prove yourself all over again. I think that's just what's going to have to happen here. We saw that with Jake Arrieta last year. Perfect example. He you know, held out, held out. The Cubs made their last offer. That was it. Ends up signing for less money with the Philadelphia Phillies and less years. And that turned out to be a good move that the Cubs didn't sign Arrieta. So I, I just feel like when it's all said and done, uh, these players, unfortunately, as much as they might be frustrated by the system right now, they're just going to have to, you know what, buck up, sign those deals, get into camp, and play out their string, and, and just get into camp at this point. That's what you're here to do, because you're not doing yourself any favors, you're not doing the fans any favors by holding out this long. It just It's a bad look for everybody involved. A seventh inning stretch by Chicago Cubs pitcher George Contos. This is the first time we've been able to get a player on the program, George I don't know if you lost a bet or not, but welcome to the program and the friendly confines. Such a pleasure to have you on the show with us here with Chad and Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. It is uh, great to have you on with us as well. Uh, so appreciate you taking the time to uh, to be with us. So let's start from the beginning here where you were first got that call. And of course, we're talking with George Contos, pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs open camp. Uh, pitchers a world series champion with the Giants now having the opportunity to play for his hometown Chicago Cubs so George how did that all come about for you I mean you're a born and raised in Chicago went to North make this happen for you and, yeah, and you play know, so, for the uh, Chicago uh, being Cubs a free agent this offseason was kind of sitting around and you know regularly talking to my agents and seeing, you know, who they were talking to and just the dialogue between teams and my agents about myself. And, um, you know, I actually got a call from a, a former coach of mine whose name is Jeff Vukovic. I played for him after my freshman year of college uh, for the Lombard Orioles. And he was just asking me how everything was going and we keep in touch from time to time. Um, just asking me how the offseason was progressing and where I was looking to, you know, potentially sign. And I told him that, you know, we were talking to teams, this and that. And he asked me if I would love to play for the Cubs. And I was like, Hey, Vuk, you know, I, I grew up in Chicago, born, born and raised a Cubs fan. I would obviously love to play for the Cubs. Um, so he said that he had a friend who was a, uh, a scout and, you know, we, we made a few phone calls and then they came to see me play at, uh, or play uh, throw a bullpen at UIC where we all work out in the off season. A bunch of us 
pro guys and um, threw a bullpen and went really well. And uh, the Cubs were in touch with my agents and we made the deal happen. That's fantastic. And as you said, you grew up a diehard Cubs fan. So to an extent, this has got to be a dream come true for you to be able to kind of put on the, uh, the pinstripes and now be able to play for your hometown team, a team you grew oh, up rooting absolutely. for when you, you know, were growing a kid. Up in, I, I grew up in, uh, on the north side of the city for the first since until I was about five and a half. And then my parents moved us to Lincolnwood, which is uh, just about 10 minutes north of Wrigley. Basically, you know, Tui and, and Lincoln over there is, is right in the middle of Lincolnwood. So you take Lincoln all the way down, you're, you basically run right into uh, Wrigleyville. So um, I've seen tons of games there growing up. I was at the game when Sammy hit 61 and 62 in 98. I, I, for some reason, was home from school, and I watched Kerry Woods' 20-strikeout game on TV uh, against the Astros. So um, just a diehard Cubs fan, and, and uh, it's, it's really uh, – you know, a pretty sweet thing that I'm able to, you know, live my childhood dream out and sign with the Cubs and, and put the uniform on and, and hopefully um, help them, you know, win another World Series. That would, that, would, that would be the end goal. We're talking with George Contos, pitcher with the Chicago Cubs here on the Friendly Confides in the seventh inning stretch. Pitchers and catchers reporting to the field today it is obviously a very exciting time because baseball is just right around the corner george i was hoping you could kind of take us through the process of what it's like when you are kind of going through he's on the field with players each other out so to speak what what is that process like for you just trying to get ready get loose and and get acclimated uh, to spring training fun. you know you, you're you, for me, being a guy who's from Chicago, we all know what the winters uh, in Chicago are like. So uh, just being able to get outside in some warm weather and just and just have those variables of throwing outside and throwing in spikes and throwing in warm weather, doing all that stuff is, is, is obviously amazing. And your body starts loosening up a little bit and you feel a lot more like yourself being outside. But, you know, this is my – I was drafted in 2000. This is my 13th spring training. Um, you know, granted, a lot of them have been elsewhere – um, but you know, once you get outside and you get with the guys and being around as long as I have been knock on wood, you, you, it's kind of like riding a bike, you know, once you get out there, you start talking to everybody, it's kind of you very quickly in spring training. Um, so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, it kind of being that type of spring again, I've known some of the guys in this team, you know, Chad Noble, who's a bullpen catcher is another Northwestern guy. I've been friends with Anthony Rizzo for a long time. Um, so, you know, once you've been around, you played against these guys long enough and and you face them enough times where you kind of just get in front of them say hello introduce yourself and it kind of just hits stride you hit the ground running right in stride so i'm, I'm assuming it's going to going to kind of go that way talking with george contos pitcher with the chicago cubs kind enough to join us here on the friendly confines and seventh inning stretch our first guest of the uh, new Cubs and uh, pitchers and camp uh, as we get ready for the 29th baseball's right around the corner now george i know you signed a, a minor league deal with the team sort of expectations do you feel like um, they have given to you as far as making the major league roster? What, what are you kind of looking at from that standpoint as far as um, making the big league club and not necessarily having to go to Iowa? How, how, does, that, uh, how does that necessarily work for you in this spot? Um, well, yeah, so this, this is a little bit different for me as well. I haven't uh, – this is the first year I've been a non-roster player since, I think, 2011. But, um, you know, my expectations are to go into camp and, and uh, 
kind of regain the form that I had in, in, you know, 13, 14, 15, and all through 17. Last year was a little bit of a bumpy road getting through the season. There were just a, a few hiccups and I was dealing with some mechanical issues and things that didn't allow me to be at my best uh, consistently. But, um, you know, this off season, we, I put a lot of good work in. I did some different things in my off season training and, um, you know, my arm and my body, everything feels great. And I'm going into camp with the expectation of pitching well and making this ball club. And, um, you know, I think with what I've done in my past and the teams that I've been a part of, um, you know, I, I offered the team and, and, and Joe Madden just, um, you know, somebody who can do a lot of different things. I can go multiple innings. I can go multiple days, two, three days in a row. I, I've pitched in kind of every situation. I think uh, every pitching staff, especially in the bullpen with how the game has, has uh, evolved now and is changing, um, you know, could, could use a player that can do kind of what I offer. So as long as I go into camp and, and, and do what I've always done in my career and have the success that I've had, I think that uh, the end goal is for me to be, um, you know, with the big league club on opening day. George uh, was such a, uh, I don't want to say concern, but certainly it was definitely an area that was, you know, had its own injuries in the off season uh, or rather during the season uh, with, you know, the closer role, Brandon Morrow went down and, you know, then we just kind of saw a, a tired bullpen, so to speak. Um, if, if you can maybe just kind of look at it from your perspective, what far, you know, the short time you've been with the ball club, this 2019 team and the roster of relievers on that team, um, just what they look like to you and how strong of a bullpen you think this Cubs team can have going into the season. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've never, you know, be, very briefly having been in the NL Central last year with the Pirates, but being out West all those years, just watching from afar, um, you know, there's obviously some talented guys here. You know, Brandon Morrow, when he's healthy, is a very, very good pitcher. Uh, Pedro Strope has, has a proven guy who's done it for a long time. Carl Edwards has great stuff. Um, you know, all, all these guys have had their successes and have gotten to where they're at in their careers from from doing what they've done at a very high level. So um, when everyone's healthy and everyone can do their thing, I, I think there, there's a very good bullpen there. And, um, you know, my, my end goal is to be one of those guys that contributes and, and giving Joe another option. Um, kind of anywhere throughout the lineup or the game to, um, you know, hopefully win as many games as we can and get to the postseason and beyond. We're talking with George Contos, Cubs pitcher here, kind enough to join us on the friendly confines, uh, giving us a few minutes, obviously camp opening up for the Chicago Cubs as they head into the 2019 season. Um, George, let me ask you this. Is there something different in your opinion that maybe you've seen about the Cubs clubhouse comparatively to maybe other teams you've played at, whether the way that Madden, Joe Madden kind of uh, deals with the clubhouse or the players in the locker room because they are so, um, you know, recently World Series champions? What is it that you've maybe seen from the locker room that could be potentially different from other locker rooms you've been in, if there is a difference at all? Um, well, yeah, you know, I, I think, I think what Joe and I haven't been around him all that long yet, but you know, from things I've heard and just briefly what I've seen, um, you know, he keeps things very loose, very laid back. And, um, that's kind of what you need to have a successful clubhouse. You have a very good mix of, of veterans in this clubhouse with guys like John Lester and, um, you know, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and, uh, Jason Hayward, just guys who have been around, who have played the game and who have played kind of that old school style of baseball, which, which is uh, which I think, you know, the game is changing a little bit from, but I still think um, is good to have present in every clubhouse. And I was very fortunate being, you know, with the San Francisco Giants for the six seasons I was there. That's what we had. It was a very similar type of situation where, you know, you have your leader who's very kind of laid back and composed and 
lets the guys patrol themselves, but you have a good group of chemistry and a good group of camaraderie in the clubhouse. Um, and that, and that's what you need to be successful. You, you, need, you need to have guys who um, pull together in the same direction as a team. And I, and I think that's definitely something that uh, that's going on in this clubhouse. George Pantos, pitcher with the Chicago Cubs. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Friendly Confines. We would love to have you on again during the season, if that's at all possible. But thanks again for taking a few minutes out of time of your day and busy schedule to join us here on the program. We really appreciate it, buddy. Best of luck to you this 2019 season. Thanks a lot, guys. I very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Our thanks to George Contos could not have been a nicer and classier yeah, guy for taking it. a few minutes to join us. Obviously very busy as he is uh, in the midst of workouts with the team, but I wish him the best. I really hope he makes the big league club. You know, I wanted to just mention this really quick chat is that the bullpen is the one area, in my opinion, that is totally up for grabs yeah. other than Brandon Morrow coming back and Pedro Strope. Other than that, there are five, six spots on that bullpen roster that I think are up for grabs. George Contos has the pedigree and, of course, the resume. Would love to see him start the uh, year with the team. Um, we can say he's a friend of the show at this point, and it would be uh, fantastic to have him again. But uh, congrats to uh, George signing with the Cubs, and we hope that uh, he has a really successful 2019. And, of course, our first player ever to join us here on the Friendly Confines and uh, more great guests to come. I, you know what I'm excited about. What 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 is amazing to me is you know for the longtime listeners, you know we've had um, you know just titans of Chicago uh, sports. You know Mark Silverman and and uh, Dave Kaplan are you know two that immediately come to mind. You know we've had Gary Miller who used to host Baseball Tonight on ESPN. You know just a legend. We had Chet Topic who is just just one of the most amazing um, individuals in Chicago sports. So we we've, we've been getting you know we had Kerry Musket is our first guest this year. He was who is, is I think the the when you think about Cubs reporters that we could go I could go on and on and on. We had we had an anchor who came off the anchor desk in Bristol and 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 uh, interviewed for our show. Um, Having the players, this is something we're focusing on and, and having great guests. And so I, I mentioned it before. Make sure you go to the Cubs, uh, Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook headquarters and join that page. Ask to join. Um, and, and there we have a really thriving community. Let us know. Give us the feedback there, even on our, our Twitter. Um, let us know who you think we should go after, who you want to hear for hear from, because that seventh inning uh, guest conductor spot is really to bring in the other voices and, and have unique people to hear from. So thanks a ton to George. Uh, what a thrill to have our first, uh, uh, first guy in camp uh, um, um, on Pitchers and Catchers Reporting Week. Yeah, very exciting stuff. And, of course, you can follow Chad on Twitter at Cubs Confines. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan D. Lieber. So there's lots of uh, good stuff that we can engage with you guys out there. If you're interested in hearing different topics, different guests, we're always open to that. We would love to hear your feedback as well to know exactly what it is you want us to chat about as we uh, go through the entire season. So let us move on now to the eighth inning. And, of course, Chad, one of the big uh, moves or non-moves this offseason, or chatter for that matter, was about the talk that the National mm -hmm. League may adopt the designated hitter. Well, the designated hitter, of course, has been in baseball since 1973 in the American League, but the National League still, of course, as we know, has pitchers batting, and, of course, that's part of the strategy when it comes to National League baseball. However, to maybe, uh, I guess, engage with 
younger fans and maybe a millennial generation that just want to see more offense or more production at the nine position, there has been talk that Rob Manfred would maybe bring the designated hitter rule into the National League. However, it won't happen this year. That's not to say that we couldn't see this in maybe the next few years. Me personally, I would not like to see the designated hitter. Maybe I've become the get off my lawn guy and, you know, shake my fist in the air. (laughs) However, I think that's what makes the National League so great comparatively to the American League. I love seeing different types of baseball. If you're an American League fan, you can appreciate kind of the difference between the two leagues, but it gives you a chance to appreciate both. And I like the fact that when you're in the National League park, the pitcher's bat, when you're in the American League park, you have the DH it kind of creates that sort of cool little strategy between managers when they're going back and forth. So honestly, I really hope they don't adopt it. I I know baseball is really trying hard to appeal to younger fans because they feel like most of their fans are older and are potentially dying out to some degree (laughs) and want to bring in a young generation of kids. I mean, I hate to use that reference, but to some degree, the young kids are gravitating to the NBA and to the NFL. And Major League Baseball wants to swoop in and get some of those kids as well. I still feel like you can generate interest in baseball by marketing your players better. I don't think it necessarily is about the length of the game or putting in a DH. I think Major League Baseball is getting too caught up into all these rule changes and not focusing on the biggest thing, which is what the NFL and the the NBA do better than Major League Baseball combined is that they market their game and their players. You don't have to market the rules. Look to your players like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and and these young stars to get interest in the game. And that, to me, is what the biggest issue is. And we just talked about free agency. Another big issue is the fact your biggest star, or one of them, Bryce Harper, is not even on a team. So that's the issue as far as I'm concerned. It's not about the rule changes. How about you on this? What do you, where are you standing on this? I, I don't, I'm not emotional either way. And I'm going to say that I'm very centrist on this. And, 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 and I am leaning away from you. I'm leaning uh, towards the, it's time. And, and let me tell you a couple reasons why I'd be sad for it. Like, we all remember Kerry Woods, Game 7 NLCS home run. We, you know, we remember Jake Arrieta. You know, hitting hitting the the playoff home run. We remember we remember uh, um, Travis Wood hitting the, hitting the home run. You know, a pinch hitter, pinch hit home run. Um, you know, we all have those moments. You know, Zambrano. Uh, you know, God, is he going to get at thirty in his career? Like we have those memories of these players having these moments. We think about like last year, John Lester coming in to pinch hit and laying down the perfect bunt to to sacrifice or not sacrifice, but squeeze him in and, and win the game. I think it was against Seattle coming out of. Just out of my head. So that's memory bank stuff right there. I didn't write any of this stuff down. I mean, and everybody out there listening has those moments. But let me throw another stat out to you. Last year, and I might be off by a point or two, but last year, Cubs pitchers batted 0-8-3. Buddy, that's, that's boring. And that is not helping the game. That's not helping the pace of the game. And it's, so yeah, you could say, but it's always been that way. And it's, you know, I like the double switches and I like, you know, I like the way the managers make these decisions. Um, but also we tend to kind of not like all of the pitching changes. And I mean, there's, there's, there's been a lot of discussion about how that is kind of 
uh, an issue like guys come in for one pitch and then another guy and it slows everything down. Personally, I want to be at the ballpark for five hours on a Friday. I don't want to be out of there and, and catch traffic. You know that. You know me. I want to be at the park. I want to be there the second. I want to be in my seat when the, the, the my season tickets. I want to be in those seats when the national anthem starts. I want to be there right through the end of the um, end of the game for the last pitch and hopefully sing that song and see the Rays the, the the flag go up. The reason I think it's time and it's necessary is because pitchers don't even bat in little league. They don't bat in high school. They don't bat in college. They don't bat in in many of the minor leagues. Um, you know, the National League is is this anomaly. Um, that does this, and it, it basically you're, you're, you're saying, hey, you're at the highest levels of your game, and by the way, you're here to pitch and be this incredible pitcher. Um, I need you to go stand up there, and many of them, let's be very honest, how many pitchers look so incredibly foolish just standing up there, hacking away, no intentions of swinging? I'd like to see a little bit of an offense thrown in there because the pitchers have gotten better. You can do that through the designated hitter by adding that in the National League. Another aspect, this could be a nice bargaining chip for the Players Association to get more money and have some longevity and have some other players that could, you could spread the wealth around. Um, ultimately, I think that it has to happen, and it, it can't happen right away because the, the lineups and everything have to be composed in a, in a much different way. Can you imagine if they just said, okay, you have the, national, you have the designated hitter now? Um, it's just it's not level playing field. And so every time, as long as there's interleague play, which is for, it's from day one all the way to the, the end of the year, as long as there's interleague play, which we all love, it's not, in a fairness standpoint, it's not equal footing because American League teams are designed for it. National League teams have to adjust for it, and I'd like to see equal, equal footing. All right, we finished up today with our last topic, and that is the ninth inning. And, Chad, it was announced the other day that the Cubs are going to have their own – network and it is through Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, I believe it is going to be called the Marquee Sports Network for the Cubs that uh, is going to partner with the uh, Cubbies and they will be leaving WGN after 70 years. Uh, unbelievable to think that the Cubs won't be on WGN anymore. They will also be leaving obviously Comcast Sports Chicago as well as WLS ABC Chicago and uh, officially have their own sports network. Look, we've seen this with the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets. Um, there are obviously teams that are going to their own sports networks to uh, obviously increase payroll. It allows them to have big TV deals. The Yankees, it's a big reason why the Yankees are able to have uh, one of the biggest payrolls in all of baseball, as well as the Dodgers. Um, this is, I just think, the next step when it comes to um, teams and them taking control of their own broadcasting rights and controlling the messaging and controlling the networks of how they want things broadcasted uh, and what say they want as far as programming goes. Um, I understand that uh, the Cubs want to, you know, create that for themselves and it makes sense. Uh, the only two things I will say about this, Chad, is one, I think it's great to have an all Cubs network all the time um, for people in Chicago to watch. I'm surprised they're partnering with Sinclair, which is a little bit of a conservative television network in one respect. Uh, they've certainly gotten themselves into hot water. That's the topic for another day. But again, they are partnering with them. The other thing I will say, I don't know what it'll be like, but if the Cubs one day, and of course it will happen again, we're right now in the renaissance of Cubs baseball, but one day when the Cubs 
are winning 60 games a year, how much will you be watching a network that is dedicated 24-7 to the Chicago Cubs? So first, I want to hear your thoughts on just overall with this, and then kind of is there any sort of um, drawbacks to having a network uh, for the Cubbies, in your opinion? So first off, remember that scene from Anchorman when Ron Burgundy was out there um, covering the Panda, Panda Watch? You have to remember that, right? Panda I Watch. do remember, yes. That, that the network talent scouts were like lined up across the street with binoculars. <laughs> so That's here's, right. here's my thought. I know for a fact, and I don't know if they've started already, but there are marquee media types right now listening to our podcast. And yes, I'm going to answer for Ryan, and yes, it will cost you. But yes, we'd love to bring our podcast over to the marquee network for high dollars and be your podcast of the Cubs marquee network. I'm just going to throw it out there, talent scouts across the street with the binoculars. Listen, Ryan Dempster's already putting it out there. He wants to do a show on the network, so why can't we? Well, no, no, I, I, it's, it's inevitable, and I'm just letting the talent scouts know. Um, just We're ready. We just want to hear what the numbers are, and we, we know we've got the best audience in all of uh, Cubs podcasting. So on a serious note, um, let me get a little let – me, let, me, let me talk historically. So what I hear and what we're going to hear a ton because Twitter and Facebook is good for that is a lot of people sad about the good old days. And, you know, let's make America great again. And, and why can't all the games be on WGN for free? Th those days are gone. I, you know, would I be the same Cubs fan if it wasn't for no lights at Wrigley Field coming home and, and, and honestly coming home to turn on the Transformers and G.I. Joe after school? And then the Cubs would be on every now and then. I didn't understand the schedule, but I would that was the only game in town and I would watch because Harry Carey was awesome and they and the Cubs in you know in 84 which really solidified me as a 10 year old you know the 84 Cubs were were such a, a tremendous collection of players those days are gone you know we don't have a situation where eyeballs are forced onto one of only a couple options after school you know so, so whatever the Cubs need to do to monetize that, you see where I'm going with this? It's like the, the, this is no longer just a couple options for your viewers. And, and you talked before about how um, the younger generation may not be embracing as much because Fortnite is always on and it's not about that window. So it's inevitable. It needs to happen. The window that the Dodgers had where they got that multi-billion dollar deal, which has just set them for, for I mean, for decades, um, is I feel like that window is actually closed a little bit. So the Cubs are looking at it from a different media landscape. How is it going to be affected by the streaming rights, things like that? I am all for it. I'm all for the additional revenue, just like all the improvements to Wrigley Field and Wrigleyville. I'm all for it because it just allows the Cubs to invest in the team, and they do. They have a top-five payroll right now, and I think you're going to see them continue to tick up and, and spend more money on this team um, and have the resources to spend more money on this team because of these additional revenue sources. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what's gonna come out of this. You know, I don't know. I don't know for Yankee fans, are they, are, you know, do they have it on the Yes Network 24-7? I know Dodger fans certainly don't. In fact, Dodger fans, many of them, because of cable issues, don't have um, the, them on their, their, their carriers. You, you make a good point about Sinclair. There is value in Sinclair um, in, in this one respect. They have such power and they have so many different um, potential networks and cable networks rather and they own so many different cable uh, programs um, and channels that they have a little bit more negotiating power to make sure it gets on all the all the channels because the the, 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 the issue here is is 
if cable networks black out the channel and then all these Cubs fans are not able to watch it, and that's where you're going to see a firestorm of, of, of issues. But an extra four or five bucks a month um, for a potential Chad and Ryan podcast live in the, in the studio because we'll, we'll have to do our hair at that point or put on our favorite Cubs hat, the Ryan Dempsey right. show in every Cubs game, you know, I, I'm all for it, and I think every Cubs fan is excited for it. But those days, those glory days of Jack Brickhouse and then Harry Carey and Steve Stone um, on WGN, that was a different time, and that time just doesn't exist anymore. All right. Well, with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Of course, you can join us for our next program, which is coming up right around the corner as we get ready for our spring training edition for Chad and Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Be at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley